Take your Bible and turn to Amos in chapter 4. The book of Amos. Amos chapter 4. There's a verse here that's very important. Amos chapter 4. This is on page 937. And it makes this statement in verse 12. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel... And because I will do this unto thee, you ought to underline these little words. Prepare to meet thy God. Five little words. Prepare to meet thy God. Did you know all of life is just preparation to meet God? You're going to see God. You're going to see Him face to face. You're going to see God. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? And it could be tomorrow. Could be today. Isn't that awesome? You're talking about changing your life. You're talking about a free fall and all of a sudden, whoop! And there you are, face to face with God. And it could happen any moment. When I was up in Minnesota and I was preaching, and it's uh, written in that little book, uh, The Door Lake Story, there's a few things I did not put in the book. One of them was, uh, there was two of the men that was up there that really took me to task. They tried their best to turn all the people against me. They lied about me, said things against me. I mean, it was devilish, it was evil, it was so wrong, so wicked. And I told them when I was up there, I told them, and I warned them, I says, look, you don't have to believe anything that I'm saying. I says, but I'm a child of God. And not am I only a child of God, I am a man of God. I am as much a man of God as any man in these scriptures. I am a man of God. And if I was you, I would not say things against me. Because my heavenly father, even in his word in the book of Isaiah, makes a statement. No weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper. And you don't touch God's anointed, which I believe that I am. I believe that for a long time. I'm not wasting my time, and I don't play games. Serving the Lord is a serious business to me. And I says, if you do what you're doing, and you keep mocking me, I says, God's going to deal with you. And they laughed, and they mocked. They had their fun. And the one man Dropped dead. They did his funeral. While they were doing his funeral, the other guy was sitting there in the Door Lake Church. Christian Missionary Alliance Church. And while they were doing his funeral, they had one of the guys stand up and give a testimony. And he stood up. This was the other one. He says, this man is dead today because of that preacher from Colorado says that. The preacher from Colorado. This man is dead today because of that preacher in Colorado. He's a false prophet, false teacher, and he went on. But before he got done, he dropped dead in the funeral. He dropped dead of a massive heart attack, and he died. They buried him. I've watched it over the years. I'm not saying it to scare people, but I am warning people. You can say anything you want to about me 
criticize me, whatever. Anybody can. I'm God's child, but I'm a man of God. God knows my heart, and God is my witness. I say it not to be proud or boastful, but God will protect me. And God will deal with anyone that tries to hurt or to harm his child. If I live a wicked life, yes, I can expect anything to happen. And I'll deserve every bit of it. But I believe until that day when God takes me home, by physical death or with the rapture, I do not recommend people mocking this pastor. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can try it if you want, but I wouldn't. You can gossip about me if you want. You can have potted pastor and roast reverend when you go home. But there's a God in heaven that says, you better keep your hands off of him. I've watched it for over 50 years. And there's a lot of stories I can tell that scared you to death because it scares me. Because I love people. I want the best for people. But I also know that there's a great price to pay when you rebel against God and you attack those that are doing the work of God. That's why I don't try to talk about people and I don't want people talking about me. But I believe this book, Prepare to Meet Thy God. Everything in life is to give you opportunities to prepare to meet him because you're going to face him. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, do you understand? We are going to meet God. And when you meet God, he's going to hold you and I accountable for what we did with our lives. For the things that we say and the things that we do. Do you take it seriously? Or is it all just a joke to you? Is your church... Your manner of life, your home, your individual accountability. Do you take it seriously? Or is it all just a big joke to you? Do you honestly feel that you have purposed in your heart? I'm going to meet God one of these days and I'm prepared. I want to do all that I can because I'm God's child and I want God's blessings upon me. God will bless you if you listen to him. Turn in the book of Romans in chapter 5. Romans in chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and look in verse 8. I want you to notice something here. This is, this is awesome. In verse 8 it says here, Five wonderful words, but God commendeth his love. But God commendeth his love. And see, in spite of how bad we are, how wicked we are, and yes, we ought to spend an eternity separated from God because nobody can save himself, but God commendeth his love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God showed you, proved to you, he loved you. I led a lady to the Lord the other day. Simply because I asked her the question. I said, isn't it true 
And don't you believe that if somebody really loved you, they should want to show it to you. They really loved you. They'd want to show you they really loved you. She said, yeah. I said, he did. She said, who? I said, the Lord. Because he really loves you, he did something for you. And I said, this is what he did. And then I explained the gospel, how that Jesus Christ was the love of God. Jesus Christ is the love of God. Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. And that's why you can reject God's love when you reject Christ. You reject his righteousness when you reject Christ. You reject wisdom when you reject Christ. Because Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God, the righteousness of God. He is God. He is the love of God. So God has manifested his love in the person of Jesus Christ. And gave him to the world so that the world would know that God loves us. And so he displayed it. The cross, Christ being brutally murdered on a cross, is displaying the love of God for you and I. That's how much he loved us. He was willing to die for us. But you say it in your mind. Christ died for my sins. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for my sins. God so loved the world. God so loved Yankee Arnold. God so loved me. He displayed his love for me. Boy, that's good stuff. Don't you agree? Look in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This verse ought to knock your socks off. It shows you how wealthy you are. It shows you the greatest treasure on the earth. Look what he says there in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. This treasure, this treasure is something that we have. God has given to you and I the gospel itself. This message, the gospel, knowing you have eternal life and knowing how you're going to get to heaven. Uh, see, all of this is because of what Christ has done for us. You are rich because you know how to go to heaven. And because you know how to go to heaven, you have a responsibility to see that other people come to know that. But we have this treasure. You have something. It's not so much as what you're going to get. You already have something. Are you using the treasure you already have, or do you keep asking God for something more, 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 more? You already have something to use. Did you realize that just Friday night, Peter calls me up and he said they had some of the kids, they go, soul winning. And you had how many trust the Lord? 46 trust the Lord. That's not counting the individuals in here who are soul winners. Every week, we probably have 20, 30, 40, trust the Lord, from those that go on soul winning. 
But every week we have people who lead people to Christ. I think James just about gets one a day on the property here. Probably some days, two a day. And when they drive up and down the road now, they don't even want to pull in here. James is going to talk to them. But he's one of the most faithful soul winners I have ever met. I'm serious. I said, James, I don't care if you ever hit a lick of work around here as long as you just keep winning people to the Lord. I'll go by the cafeteria, and he's in there. He's got somebody, and, and sometimes they're just a boo-hooing. I mean, and when he, they get through, I mean, he doesn't grill them. I don't have to, I can't ask him any questions. They, they know it all. He didn't already talk in the book of Daniel, Revelation, the rapture, and, the, you know, they know the whole Bible. They got a Bible college education. And yet he's never been to Bible college, but he's a soul winner. He's a soul winner. You see, there's a lot of people from this ministry that are trusting the Lord not because the pastor stands up here and gets 5, 10, 15 on Sunday mornings, but because y'all are getting 40 and 50 and 60 during the week. The sheep bear the sheep. My biggest goal in my life is not to be the soul winner. I want you to be the soul winner. If I drop dead, I wish I could stop saying that, I want you to keep doing what you're doing. But see, you need to have that burden and you need to have that concern so that God will keep using you to be a soul winner. I think of all the times that I've been here, nobody questions or doubt the soul winning zeal of Hank Lindstrom. One of the greatest soul winners there is. But I want you to be great soul winners. Just like Dr. Lindstrom was. Where you talk to people and you get involved. And you go so winning. Because you see, when it's all over with, that's the best thing you could ever do. Is to explain the gospel to individuals. Galatians 2.20, I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. In verse 20, there's... Five words that I want you to notice on. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. It means that when Christ died, you know he died for you. And that he was buried for you and he rose again for you and he ascended into heaven for you. And he says, when you trust Christ as Savior, you're in Christ. As though you died on the cross and you were buried and you came back from the dead and you're seated in Christ in the heavenlies. That's how secure you are. That's what he's done for you. And so you're not in heaven, you're down here. But the life which I now live down here. God sees me there. That's my position in Christ. That's a done deal. But the life which I now here live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is why we're supposed to serve the Lord. I'd love to see lots of you sitting right here. If you possibly can do it. I want you to be thinking. Does God want me to go to Bible college? Does God want me to study His Word so that I can prepare? 
Maybe God wants me to go out someplace and start a, a youth ministry or to start a, a church or to pastor a church, to be a missionary on the foreign field. Maybe God has something more for me than just going to church and seeing that others hear the gospel and so forth. Maybe there's something more. It's not for everybody. Everybody can't do it. That's why most of the people do it when they're young. When they're young. And they haven't nailed it down yet. And they don't have themselves bogged down with all the bills and so forth. You know how come I was able to go to Bible college? Because I wasn't bogged down with all the bills. And the reason I wasn't bogged down with all the bills is because I didn't have enough money to get in debt. I couldn't borrow any money. You lived in how many states? Well, I'm very secure right now. Share. I think the most money I ever borrowed was $250 and took me forever to pay that off. Ain't that something when you're so poor you can't afford to go into debt? You know, as most people get older and make more money, they can afford to go further into debt. Isn't that wonderful? And then you wonder sometimes, can you ever get out? Can you ever get out? You ever felt like sometimes it comes a trap? And then there's times when you want to do something for the Lord. Well, I can't. I can't. I can't. Well, maybe you can. You be thinking in your mind. What does God want me to do? Does God want me to go to Bible college and prepare myself? I can help you. I've been there. I went to Bible college when Dr. Hank Linson was one of my teacher from one of my classes. He'd only been saved a couple years. I had to sit and listen to a man that was only saved a couple years. If you listen to me now, I've been saved over 50 years. See, time can teach you a lot of things. But as time goes on, Dr. Hank Lindstrom taught a lot of things, had a lot of knowledge, had a lot of wisdom. When you have a live radio broadcast and people calling all the time and asking you questions, you learn a lot of answers. He was one of the best there was. I bet you Hank up in heaven right now, and he's looking over the banister, and he says, yeah, y'all ought to follow and do my example like, just like I did. Y'all ought to go to Bible college like I did. Some of y'all need to go start ministries like I did. You see, we don't want it to die with us. We just know that we're thankful, so thankful that God allowed us that privilege that altered the course of our lives to do something that makes a difference. It says in the book of Jude, having compassion, making a difference. And we want to make a difference. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So there's a lot of choices to make. God so loved the world. Look up here. Let him this hand represent you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Everybody's a sinner. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's done things wrong. We're all in the same boat. God says, all have come short of his perfection. And what he means is, is he's perfect, we're not. Because of sin, can't get in. The wages of sin, it's eternal separation from God. And because of that, we're all condemned, the whole world. To go to heaven, you'd have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all done things wrong. 
We can't save ourselves. So the Bible says you cannot earn eternal life. It's not by your works. There's no good works that you can do to save yourself. All of your good works you have done all your life can't pay for one sin. Not even one. Can't take it away. If you were to live perfectly for the rest of your life, doesn't undo what you've already done. That's why you need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. God manifested His love toward us by sending His Son. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, for us. He didn't have any sins. He didn't have to die. So He took all of our sins, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead, and says the only thing we have to do to go to heaven, think about it, the only thing, it's the only thing you and I can do, is believe He did it for us. So if you'll believe He did it for you, then He puts that payment to your account. You get to go to heaven. If He believes it, He puts that payment to His account. He gets to go to heaven. I believe it. He puts that payment to my account. I get to go to heaven. That payment was made for everybody. It's enough grace to go around. Grace greater than my sins. And He says, if I'll believe He did it for me, He would give me as a free gift everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. That whosoever believeth, all he has to do is believe it. And that payment is put to his account. And he goes to heaven. I go to heaven. You go to heaven on what Christ did for us. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, there's a multitude of churches all across this nation. And majority of them do not have a pastor that knows how to make the gospel clear. We want to help train some of them. And if you know the gospel and you know it clearly and you know the word of God, you will be more prepared than all those preachers that's got all those degrees after their name and know how to do everything perfectly, but they don't know how to explain the gospel. You will be far, head and shoulders above them. Believe me. You're needed. You're needed. God needs you. Here am I, Lord, send me. Don't you have in that little heart of yours, that little burning desire, I wonder if it's me. I wonder if I could do it. How do you know when God's calling you? When you can hear the voice. This is his word. Do you hear the voice? Can you hear it? Not everybody does. But there's a few that do. And that is the one that God's looking for. The Bible talks about the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking for a man whose heart is right so that God can use him. Did you ever think God may want you to do more than what you're doing? To be of greater value than what you are right now? Prepare yourself. You have a treasure within you. God has manifested his love, but a lot of people, they don't know it. That maybe God might use you. 
Would you pray about it? I remember somebody asked me about, Yankee, when you come down here, would you just pray about it? I wasn't coming, remember? But would you pray about it? I said yes. And I've been off the road for three years. I've been right here. Because I love doing what I do. I love being a preacher. I love teaching this book. I love seeing the results in people's lives. I crave it. I did 50 years ago, and it hasn't lessened any at all. As a matter of fact, it burns greater than it's ever burned. I want to do more now than I've ever done. Somebody said the other day, Yankee, don't you know that you're 70 years old? You ought not be doing this. I'm serious. That's probably the Lord calling right now. <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Friend, if you're here this morning, and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, don't you believe that this makes sense? There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. You don't have to join this church or any church. You don't have to give anything, stop anything, change the way you're living. God wants you to know He loves you. He made a payment for you, and He wants you to trust Him. Would you trust Him? Would you trust the only true and living God to take you to heaven when you die? He died for all of your sin, all of them. And if you'll believe that He did it for you, He forgives you of every sin, that like no sin, not even one, you'll ever have to pay for. That's grace. That's grace. But He loves you that much. And if you've never trusted him, you say, that made sense to me. And preacher, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is anyone at all? Anyone at all? With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, how many would do me a favor? In your own mind, would you say, pray for me that if God wants me to go to Bible school, I will. Just think that in your own mind. If God wants me to go, and I believe he wants me to go, I will. Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for this time together. Bless each one. Bless our homes. And Father, we do pray for our country. And Father, we are commanded in your word to pray for those in place of leadership. We pray that, Lord, they would be able to find a way to ungridlock Congress so that decisions could be made and confidence in the people. And we pray for an extension of time before your judgment falls. And help us to utilize the time that you've given us for your honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.